All right, everyone, uh, such a pleasure to be here this morning. We've been uh, looking forward to this day with great anticipation, hoping that we will fill up this place, and, uh, and you showed up, so we're grateful. We're grateful. Um, the band said that if you guys promise to show up every Sunday, they will have the drums every Sunday. Where's Jonathan? Is he, is he here? Ah, there he is. He said it. There he is. <laughs> Keep everyone in prayer, including our, our music ministry, our worship bands. Uh, but it, it was such a blessing worshiping together with you and, and filling up this place with our voices. To the one who deserves all the honor and glory, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate the elders for taking the time and, and uh, showing your appreciation to myself and, and my family. That means a lot to us. Uh, we appreciate your prayers. They're very much needed for myself, definitely, for my, for my family. And... Um, and I also want to say that uh, I'm extremely appreciative that you make my job easy. And by that, I, let me clarify before you start thinking anything other than what I'm trying to say. Um, the, I think the reason why God has allowed me to, to be so encouraged and motivated as a pastor here at Crosspoint is truly because of you. And ultimately, all glory goes to Him, but just as a simple example this morning we i don't know if you guys most of you walked in through the front area and you saw our patio area and all the tents and canopies and tables and chairs and we were here at 7 30 in the morning and and um we had mentioned that we would need help and a lot of you showed up and for me to be able to be part of you and setting that up and getting it done and seeing how god brings the right people at the right time for the right job is amazing for me i get to sit back and just be grateful that uh that indeed not one person has to do it all but when we put our efforts together and we use the the gifts that god has gifted us with and we apply them to the church here and abroad we see the body of Christ growing, we see the body of Christ strengthening, and we see Crosspoint as a local body of believers become stronger. And so, we're so I'm, I'm so grateful for you, and I, I am appreciative of all of you, especially those of you that, that serve, that help in whatever way God has uh, equipped you for. So, so let's keep it up. What, a, what an awesome opportunity to, to be able to celebrate seven years together as Crosspoint, to see what God has done, to see what God is doing, and, and trusting that God in His faithfulness will continue to do some great work here at Crosspoint. Our prayer is that God will be pleased in saving many through Crosspoint, that we would get a chance to disciple many people that would in turn go and disciple others, and that's how the church grows. That's why we're here. Somebody took a chance and shared the gospel with us, were invited us to church, and then we get to do the same for other people, and that's how the body uh, and the kingdom of God grows. So if you're here for the first time, so this is a special service. Uh, we don't always have the elders pray over me, and, and, uh, uh, but we're really glad that you're here. I know several of you are here for the first time, and we're, we're happy to have you. Uh, it's always a, a, a thrill to have guests with us, and, and our prayer is that God would touch your heart, that God would speak to you, and, um, and if this is a place where God would have you get to know him better and grow in your faith and you walk with him, then you are welcome to join our, our Crosspoint family. So we're, we're grateful for everyone. Let's see. I'm going to attempt a message here. A couple of announcements. So a couple of announcements that you may want to know. You probably know that we're having a little celebration after this, right? Uh, we have some great food prepared, but we're not going to talk about that because... 
My stomach was growling earlier. I was up early this morning, I guess, and working hard. But we're going to get through this, and we don't have a lot of time, so I'll, I'll hurry. But I'll, I'll mention, uh, so today what we're celebrating is that seven years ago, two congregations got together. We merged, and out of Whittier Church of Christ and... Uh, well, I almost forgot our, our old church. What was, that? what was our name? New Life Community Church. You see, I'm dedicated, devoted to this new cross point. New Life Community Church and Whittier Church of Christ uh, decided to, to merge, put the two groups together because we truly felt that should we work together, we felt we would better be able to serve God. That was really our mentality. After a year of discussing things back and forth between the elders of both groups, we decided we believe that this is a God thing, and we believe that if we were to work together, we can honor God better. And seven years later, you are a testament to that. This service is a testament to that. It's, it's proof that, that God is pleased, I believe, in, in the efforts and our vision and our mission to, to know Him, to make Him known, and to make disciples that would impact not just this community of believers, not just this community, this city in Whittier, but the communities around this Whittier community and around the world. And we're seeing God do that. One person at a time, one family at a time, but we're, we're so pleased that that is the case. And so we're celebrating today our seven year anniversary. Um, we have a baptism today. At least one person is being baptized today. Um, somebody that I've known for a long time. Yes, thank the Lord for that. And I would say there's probably you know, I was going to make a joke. I would never. Uh, I'll make it. Besides the carne asada, I would say a baptism on a seventh anniversary is a great way to celebrate an anniversary. So we're going to have a great meal, but seeing that God is doing his work here is, is a blessing. And then I'll tell you right now that next week also we have another baptism scheduled. And so I say that because if, if God has been speaking to you and you know that God has done a work in your life, you know that you're not the same person you used to be, and that's because you've put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know that your sins are forgiven and you're now living a new life, then we encourage you to be baptized and publicly declare your faith in Jesus Christ and your commitment to follow him for the rest of your life. You'll never be perfectly ready, so don't listen to the enemy on that one. And you don't want to wait till you think you're perfect because... I won't baptize you if you come and say, okay, I'm perfect, now baptize me. I'll, I'll have Keith baptize you or somebody else. I will kindly decline, all right, because I'll say you don't know what you're talking about. I know you're not ready, so don't, don't listen to the enemy on that one. But if, if, if you know you're done living a life for yourself, and now you're ready to live for Christ who died for you, then be baptized. Let everyone know of your faith in Christ. We encourage you to do that. And uh, thank you for all who serve and help. And I want to mention just one thing because you're all here. On December 4th, it's a special event. We're, we, we hope to have Randy Shepard from Crossfire Ministries here. He, um, he travels literally the world using basketball as a means to evangelize. Super special individual. Uh, not just because he got a chance to play with Michael Jordan as a 17-year-old that just... I find that super amazing. But uh, what God is doing and has been doing and, and, and is currently doing with him and evangelizing everywhere he goes is such a privilege. We get to be part of that. So he's going to come here to Cross Point, specifically from North Carolina. We're going to hold some basketball clinics for elementary 
kids in one session and then junior high and high school kids and even adults in a second session. We're gonna need a lot of help. We need to promote because it's December 4th. We've been really busy with other stuff, but I think we could get a great group in this community, people that you know. Let's get any and every basketball player you know, boys and girls, and have them come and do a world-class basketball clinic, and then they will also hear the gospel presented in a very special way using basketball. So if you, that interests you, which I believe it should, a lot of you, not all, talk to me, let's, let's get going on that, and let's, let's prepare and see the Lord do an amazing work. Crossfire Cross Ministries is a ministry that, as, as, uh, as Crosspoint, we, have, uh, we are committed to supporting financially and also in collaboration. So December 4th is going to be kind of like a culmination of that, where he gets to come and, and work together with us and, and have an evangelistic uh, event here for using basketball for our community. All right, that's it on that. This morning, I have the privilege of sharing a message entitled, Great is God's Faithfulness. I've been, li- how many of you are familiar with the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness? Let me see your hands. Four people, three in the middle, ten on the left side. All right, Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God our Father. Mm. Great is thy faithfulness. I must have heard that. I played it about 20 times this week, just getting ready for this message. So uh, my title is kind of playing off of that, that uh, hymn title. Great is God's faithfulness. And I want to share with you about God's faithfulness. We're suspending our messages on biblical servanthood to have this special message. Because as we celebrate seven years as Crosspoint, one thing that stands out to me is God's faithfulness. I mean, think about this. And what a privilege for me to get ready for a message like this, because I've been just meditating, thinking about, I mean, think about every one of you, every one of us, think about every event, every decision that had to be made, every trouble that we've gone through, even tragedies that have occurred in our lives. Think of everything that has had to happen in order for us to be right here today, this morning, worshiping God. I mean, I just think about my life. I was born in a different country, and here I am. And a lot of you were too. And a lot of you grew up in the church and then left and are back. Some of you guys never heard of church and you're here. Some of you, it's your first time that you're here. Some of you guys have been here since the 50s. Some of you guys were born here. Not literally, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but when you think about this family, I mean, the, the mathematical probability that, that all of us would come together, it would be like astronomical. And po- it's just, and so it comes back to me thinking of God's faithfulness, that he knows every single one of us, and it is his plan, and it is his purposes being accomplished that puts us and binds us and has us together here this morning. And I'm amazed by that, because then I, I, I truly feel that the people that are here at Crosspoint, that belong to Crosspoint, that are Crosspoint, are here because God has brought us here. And it is His faithfulness, His unwavering desire to have us be a family, to belong to Him, and be able to encourage one another and worship together His holy name. So those are the kinds of things that I, I think about in preparation for a message like this. But I, what I want to do is I want to look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 14. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 14. I want to focus uh, on the whole section. I have four points that I want to share, so we'll, do, we'll, we'll go quick. But here's the main point. The main point is that as Christians, 
As children of God, we get to glorify him forever for his amazing faithfulness. When you think about God's faithfulness, and faithfulness speaks of God's unwavering character. When you talk about faithfulness, God's faithfulness, you're really dealing with the heart of his character. And God is faithful. He's a lot of things. But God is faithful. That means he won't let you down. That means that if he's promised something, it's going to happen. That means if he's purposed something, even though he purposed that before even time began, it's going to happen no matter what. And as Christians and as people, we're able to rejoice in that, trusting and knowing that God is faithful, that nothing in your life is going to happen outside of his knowledge and his purposes. But I got to tell you something. Because I would imagine in a group this size, there's got to be some people thinking like, I don't know. Then how come this happened? And why is this happening? And how come this didn't happen to me or a loved one? So we need to understand this. God is faithful to himself. And God is faithful to his character. God is faithful to his purposes and his promises. My fear and my, I don't know if it's a disappointment, something that bothers me is when I hear preaching that focuses on the people instead of focusing on God. And we're all in danger of buying that type of bad theology, if not false theology, where people are at the center And what I mean by that is that if you think that you're at the center of everything, then you're going to think that God's faithfulness has to be applied to everything that benefits you. And if that's the case, let me tell you right now, you're going to be highly, highly disappointed over and over in your life. If you think that everything that happens in your life and around you is about you, you're going to have this rude awakening when you realize that this life is not about you. And when we start thinking, you know, because our culture says it's your life, do whatever you want. That's Satan speaking. Let me say that again. When you hear these lies about it's your life, you can do whatever you want, that is literally a thought, an idea from hell itself. And we have to be careful with that. So when we understand that God is faithful to his character, but his character is goodness, it's grace, it's love, it's forgiveness. So we don't have to fear or be in competition with God. We can surrender to his character. We could surrender to his faithfulness and say, Lord, I'm nothing. I don't know anything. I think I do. And I certainly think I know more than most people. But when it comes down to it, in comparison to God, beloved, we know nothing. And you're either going to fight through life or you're going to surrender your life to him. And when you surrender your life to him, he says, now that you surrender your life, now you're going to gain it. He who loses his life, Jesus said, will find it. And he who loses his life, it will be given to him. We find true life and fulfillment and joy when we surrender our life to him. And then he lives through us.
It's amazing. God's faithfulness is super, super important. And we get to glorify him forever for his amazing faithfulness. Let me read Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 14. And let me tell you why, why, why I chose this portion to talk about God's faithfulness. 4,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, think about this. The United States hasn't existed for more than even 300 years. Just for perspective's sake, our Lord Jesus Christ was born some 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about 4,000 years ago. God made a promise to a man named Abraham and he, who had no children, and he told him, through your seed, through your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And 4,000 years later, beloved, that is why you're here. And what does that have to do with it? It has everything to do with God's faithfulness. My family, my people, you are here because of God's faithfulness. And 4,000 years ago, he promised Abraham that through his descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that is through Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of Abraham. And through Jesus Christ, all the families of the earth are blessed. Everyone has access to the Father through what Jesus Christ did at the cross. And that's amazing. All right. So before I read Galatians, let's take communion. How many of you guys thought I was forgetting about that? You were right. I was forgetting. Jason, was that you raising your hand up there? I thought you were just feeling the, the service here. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. So, if you want to take communion with us as we're gathered here as a body of believers, we want to celebrate what Jesus Christ, our Lord, did 2,000 years ago. And that is, God became flesh, was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, and around the age of 33 years old, he gave up his very own life, that it would be crucified, that he would be murdered, executed on the cross by the Romans as a petition from the Jews, from his own people. But he was crucified, and he did it for us. Galatians 2.20, I'll just quickly mention it. Paul says, I am crucified together with Christ. We have a relationship with God. We're able to have a relationship with the perfect holy God only because Christ took our shame, our guilt, our sin on his body as he nailed it to the cross. That is the gospel. That through what Jesus did at the cross, we have access to the Father. We can find forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future. That is the good news. That is the gospel. So as you peel back the first layer, we take the bread, which is unleavened bread, and it symbolizes, it reminds us of the sinless body of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that was crucified on our behalf. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you reveal the juice, which represents and reminds us of the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on our behalf as a payment for all of our sins. Let's take that together. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather. Thank you as we take part of communion, we celebrate and remember 
And we proclaim your love and your grace as you send your only begotten son that he would die on that cross, a shameful and painful death on our behalf. I thank you for that. And I pray for anybody who's here who is just hearing this maybe for the first time or perhaps is just making sense for the first time. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to speak to them and draw them to yourself. Thank you for allowing us this time. We pray for your blessing and we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Galatians 3, verses 6 through 14, let me read that, and then we'll spend a little bit of time just talking about that as we, as we discuss God is God's, great is God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness. So here it goes. Galatians 3, 6 through 14 says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore now, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and we are the Gentiles if you're not a Jew, it preached the gospel to Abraham before saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many are, as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in the things which were written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for, quote, the just shall live by faith, end quote. Yet the law is not of faith, but, quote, the man who does them shall live by them, end quote. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. A lot of stuff, and I know we're going fast, but I want to kind of break it down a little bit and just meditate on the fact that God's plan was in motion even before the universe was created by Him. And I love saying that and thinking about that, not because I have it all figured out, but because that just kind of puts me in my place. God, who is not bound by time or space or matter is the one that has promised that we can find forgiveness through Jesus Christ and what he did for us at the cross. And he is faithful to complete that. And so what I want to do this morning with the time that is remaining, I want to talk about God's faithfulness. And I'm going to, I'm going to complete this phrase in four points. God's faithfulness is amazing because it, point number one, makes him trustworthy. The fact that he is faithful makes him trustworthy. And listen to verse 6. It says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. What did he believe? Whatever God said. In this case, God appears to Abraham and says, Abraham, get out of your, which is Abram, get out of your father's house, out of your land, and, and come with me. I'm going to show you a place. Uh, that's going to be filled with milk and honey, and it's going to be a, a prom I promise you this beautiful, awesome land, and your descendants will be more than the sand in the, uh, in the beach, in the oceans, and your descendants won't be able to number. And he was an old, older gentleman, so was his wife, an older lady, and they had no children. And when God speaks these promises to Abraham, what does Abraham do? He believes Abraham knew enough about God to know that God is faithful. And if he says it, he's going to 
do it. So God's faithfulness is amazing because it makes him trustworthy. And for us, the application is this. Do we trust God's promises for us? The opposite of that, if we're not yet trusting God's promises, is that we're always wondering, does God really love me? Does God really know me? Perhaps God has forgotten about me. And yeah, I know God says he'll supply all my needs, but, you know, we still have to do this and that. Abraham just surrenders to God. He knows him enough. He knows about his faithfulness. So where God says these outlandish promises, I mean, your, your descendants, I, I'm old and my wife is barren, we have no kids. What? And, and, and follow you? You're going to show me a land? But what does he do? He just believes. And beloved, when you think about the cross, and I keep pointing this way because the, the cross is behind me, of course. But God became a man. He was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he dies on a cross, and he allows the very people that he created to spit on his face and to mock him, to ridicule him, and to pull off his beard and to strike him in the face. The God of the universe allowed all that, and then he allowed to be crucified for me. You know, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for those who are being saved, it is the power of, of God. I mean, really think about it. Do you believe that the God of the universe, the very creator, died on a cross for you? And if you do, it's only by God's grace that has given you the faith to believe because we can't muster up that kind of faith. Then it is our privilege to know more about him. It makes him trustworthy. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, he is the rock. He wor his works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does, does no wrong. Upright and just is he. Job 13, 15, Job, who goes through these amazing, terrible tragedies and loss in his life, he says, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Why? He knew enough about God that God is trustworthy, God is faithful. So God's faithfulness is amazing because it makes him trustworthy. Point number two, it makes his word dependable. That means if God said it, it's going to happen. If he said it, I'm going to believe it. Because he's faithful. There's a song called, uh, I forget what it's called, but he goes, uh, he goes a little something like, he's never failed me yet. And I like that song, but then I think it's kind of offensive. You know, the idea that he hasn't failed me yet. Ugh, like, I'm still wondering if there might be that one time, you know, he's 99.9% .9 faithful, but then there might be that one time where he forgets. You could remove that yet. You could remove the yet. He has never failed me, and he will never fail me within the context of his purposes and his character and his promises. He is, comp you know, you know people that are pretty faithful, right? Oh, yeah, sort of dependable people in your life. And you also have people that are unfaithful, yeah? People that you can't trust with anything. People that will let you down over and over. We're probably more familiar with that, I don't know. 
Well, God is not a man or a son of man in the sense that he's not like us. He's perfect, and everything he says he will do, no matter what. And even if you were to try really hard to thwart his purposes, you can't, because you don't compare to him, neither does anybody else. By the way, Satan and God are not in competition, all right? Satan has zero over God. And God has allowed him on this earth to do some, some stuff, but he's on a leash. God is not in competition with anyone. God's faithfulness is amazing because, point number two, makes his word dependable. So Galatians 3.8 says, In you all the nations shall be blessed. And you all the nations will be blessed. Oh, but I'm old. All the nations will be blessed. Oh, but I don't know about... You see, God allows us to be part of his plans and part of his purposes and his kingdom, but ultimately God is going to do everything that God has promised to do, no matter what. And it's no hard thing for him. He's not biting his nails. He's not hoping for stuff. He's not wondering anything. Everything he's promised to will be done. And he says, in you all the families of the earth will or shall be blessed. And here we are 4,000 years later, blessed by God through what Jesus has done for us. Point number three. Well, let me, let me mention to you Psalms 33 verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. God's faithfulness is amazing because it makes him trustworthy, makes his word dependable. Point number three, makes our salvation possible. Verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He says, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, but how? He says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take on flesh. And listen to this. I'm going to become a curse. And I'm going to take the world's curse because of sin. I'm going to take that upon myself and I'm going to crucify it and make a public spectacle of that. And as he dies on that cross, he pays for our sin. And as he resurrects three days later, it's a sign of victory over death. It makes our salvation possible. Verse 13 in Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us, has bought us back from the curse of the law. How? Having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. God's faithfulness makes our salvation possible. He said, he said it, and it got done, and he got it done for us. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. All right? This is a faithful saying, and it's worthy for all of you and all of us to accept it. That Christ has come into the world to save awesome, beautiful, perfect people. He has come into the world to save what? Sinners. Sinners. And Paul says, of whom I am chief. I am number one. Aren't you glad that he came to save sinners? I sure am. Last point. Now we're zooming through this. God's faithfulness is amazing because, point number four, it makes our new life enjoyable. Sometimes we don't talk about this. You know, the Christian life is not this dreaded, oh, I don't want to go to church yet because I'm not ready to stop doing fill in the blank. If I start going to church, I'm going to have to stop 
whatever you think is exciting and wonderful without Christ and your sin. And we all have that. God's faithfulness makes our life, our new life, enjoyable. Verse 14, it says that the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And with the Spirit, beloved, with God's Spirit as a gift from God for those of us who are born of God. In chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, says, but the fruit of the Spirit, what's going to be produced in you as a result of being a new creature in Christ is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Isn't that awesome? Because of God's faithfulness, we receive the promise of the Spirit. We, are, have, we have the blessing of Abraham, and through the Spirit, love Joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering. I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that you could do to enjoy your life. But true joy belongs to a Christian who is living a faithful and obedient life in Christ. And as you surrender your life to Christ, he gives you all of his blessings. I'm so grateful for my pastor of old, Salvador Delgado. He would tell us all the time, you want to see a blessed person? He always wore a coat. Look over here. Right here. You want to see a blessed person? Look right here. And then he would tell us. And it's not because he had a perfect life. It's not because there was never anything wrong with him. It's because he understood that no matter what, he possessed the blessing of Abraham. And he was that fulfillment of that promise that in Abraham and through his seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that's who we are. So let me finish by saying this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. This is a very popular portion. It talks about how in our life there's always going to be these seasons, different seasons, and all of us are in different seasons right now, right? Some of us are at the mountaintop, and some of us are down in the gutter, in the valley, and most of us are somewhere in between. And you realize if you live long enough, there's going to be high points in your life, midpoints, and low points. And Solomon talks about this. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. 
for every purpose under heaven, there is a time, there is a season, and we're all going to go through different seasons in our life, but one thing that remains is God's faithfulness. And so when you're up in the mountaintop, God is faithful. And when things are just seem a-okay, God's faithfulness is still in place. And when you're down in the gutter, beloved, God's faithfulness remains. And in that we can trust and be like Job. Though he slay me, I will continue to trust in him. Like Daniel's friends, speaking to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and says, our God can save us from your stinky, they didn't say that, uh, oven. He goes, but they say, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to your statue, and we're still going to glorify him and, and praise him and, and worship him. So it doesn't matter where we're at. There's going to be different seasons in our lives. What matters is to understand that God is faithful. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we can say with the psalmist in Psalms 23 that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God's faithfulness is everything, beloved. It is why we're here. It is why we're able to enjoy our life. It is why we're able to trust him and his word. Consider him trustworthy, and it's what makes our salvation possible. For that, we're grateful. It's what makes it is his faithfulness that allows us to celebrate seven years as Crosspoint, and we trust in his goodness and his grace and his provision that he will continue to move us forward as we seek to honor and glorify his name as we lovingly point people to the cross of Jesus for salvation and growth. I'm so grateful that you're part of Crosspoint. The invitation is always open for you to be part of our family. We're grateful for what God is doing, and I'm personally grateful for, for all of you. So God bless you. Let's pray. We're going we're gonna to come out of here, and we're, let's all move over to the other building and be part of our brother Julio's baptism. Um, I'll put it out there. If you know that God has done the work in your life, you might be like the Ethiopian asking Philip, what hinders me from being saved? And I would say, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he died for your sins, that you surrender your life, you, you've asked God for forgiveness, and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then there's water. You may be baptized. If you want to talk about it, if you have questions, that would be awesome. See me, see any of our elders, and let's, uh, let's clarify any questions that you might have using the word of God. All right. After the baptism... We'll enjoy each other's company. Please stick around. Get to know new people. All right? And uh, it's going to be an awesome time to just celebrate and be, be express our gratitude. Gracious Father, thank you so much for allowing us a special time together. I thank you for everybody who's here. I ask for a special blessing, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness, your unwavering character that allows us to put our full trust in you. Especially, Father when it comes to the salvation of our souls, the forgiveness of our sins, made possible by your promises and what you've done through Jesus Christ in the cross of Calvary for us. There's no way to really thank you, but we look forward to expressing our gratitude to you for all of eternity. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done and Holy Spirit for revealing this to us, for guiding us here, uh, and for what you're doing here at Crosspoint, we're grateful for these last seven years, and we look forward to seeing what you have in store for us as a family, as individuals, here in our community and around the world. We ask for your blessing. We thank you. 
Thank you for Brother Julio who's taking the step of obedience and being baptized today. We rejoice with him and we give you all the honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray. Amen.